The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Cherry's World is brought to you by Less is More Events. Get in line. Welcome to Cherry's World. Hey, Cherry's World Podcast, and thank you for tuning in today. Before we get to our special guest, Mr. Kelly, Mr. Do-It-All from Lords of the Underground, my homeboy, we're going to talk about some trending topics. So please sit tight, enjoy yourself, get you something to drink, something to eat, something, something, and um, curl up and listen to us. I got to start the show off, and I want to dedicate this show to my homeboy. I lost a huge love this past week. Um, his name is Timothy Bird, a.k.a. Iceberg. Everybody in LA knows Iceberg. He was a kind heart. He was an underground rapper. And he was also known across the comedy circuit in LA. Unfortunately, he is no longer with us. Bird was one of my biggest supporters for the past 20 years. And I just have to say, summer, autumn, to his baby's mother, Candace, and to his mama, Mama Bird. I'm heartbroken with you guys. I am so sorry. I love you. And Cherry's World will forever do whatever we can do to keep Iceberg's legacy alive. Speaking of legends that we have lost, we lost Miss Janet Du Bois, um, a.k.a. Walona. The black community got hit hard this week, y'all. So the show is dedicated to them. I'm very sorry for the whole Du Bois family as well. This is Cherry's World. Making Memory Sales Series. It's a sale that allows families and people in our communities in any city, state, or showtime to attend a series of events at a lower price than most, such as like the Trolls Live, Disney on Ice, the Universal Soul Circus, concerts, sports, and more. Contact Less Is More Events at 202-930-3533. Again, that's 202-930-3533. Visit the website, getlimetickets.com. They're on social media, Facebook, IG, Twitter, less is more events. Get out and lime. Hey, if you're listening to Cherry's World Podcast on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, please give us a five star. Let us know what you think. Leave us a review. I want to hear from you. Thank you. Would you like to advertise on Cherry's World and have your product placed on Cherry's social media for the world to see? Email us now at cherriesworldpodcast at gmail.com for low introductory rates. Cherry's World Podcast. Get heard. 
the week that was, and this week's trending topics on Sherry's World. Without further ado, let's talk about these trending topics. What you got for me, Courtney? All right, Sherry, let's get into this trending news of the past week. Uh, a name who we haven't talked about much on this show. <laughs> Wendy Williams. Wendy Williams apologizes to gay men for saying they shouldn't wear skirts. She claims she was out of touch for saying that after she had a segment on Valentine's Day in which she dissed gay men planning to celebrate the unofficial holiday, claiming it's a woman-only occasion. The talk show host said, I don't care if you're gay. You don't get a menstruation every 28 days. You can do a lot that we do, but I get offended by the idea that we go through something you will never go through. Williams didn't stop there, adding, and stop wearing our skirts and our heels as well, remarking women don't have anything for themselves anymore. All right, Cherry, I don't know too much about Galentine's Day. Uh, by the way, happy belated Valentine's Day to ladies. So I don't have an opinion on this. Uh, what do you think about Wendy Williams telling men or gay men to stop wearing our skirts and high heels and not participating in Galentine's, Galentine's Day? Happy belated Valentine's Day, boo. But are you seriously asking me about Wendy Williams and her ass? First of all, she ain't got no ministration every 28 days either. And she need to take them damn dresses, skirts, and heels off her damn self. Looking like a tree trunk with titties. Whoa. Damn. I don't even want to talk about Wendy no more. That was so like 2018. But... Come on, William, Wilbert, whatever your name really is. She just mad that her man left her for a woman. All right, I'm sure that comment is going to leave a mark. Let's move on. Uh, Snoop Dogg feeling the heat for uh, calling uh, Gail King as well as uh, uh, she called. He called her um, a dog headed bitch. I believe it was the quote. And uh, his mom stepped in and told Snoop to apologize because that is not the way you talk to an, uh, a lady. And so uh, Snoop came out with an apology and he said he would like to talk to Gail behind the scenes. And Gail King has accepted Snoop Dogg's apology after he dragged her for questioning Kobe Bryant's longtime friend, Lisa Leslie about his 2003 sexual assault case. Uh, like I said last week, King Gail King faced fiery backlash from Kobe supporters and celebs, including 50 Cent and Snoop, and I think Cherry Johnson as well. The rapper and other critics, including Cherry Johnson, called the 65-year-old journalist sexist and colorist insults and attacked her best friend Oprah Winfrey. However, on Wednesday, the West Coast rapper issued an apology via Instagram saying he overreacted. Two wrongs don't make a right, says Snoop. When you're wrong, you got to fix it. Gail King, I publicly tore you down by coming at you in a derogatory manner based off emotions 
being angry at questions that you ask. So I would like to apologize to you publicly for the language that I use and calling you out your name and just being disrespectful. He said he would like to meet and uh, privately behind the scenes. Um, like I said last week, I feel I'm a big Kobe fan. I don't understand why we're talking about a case that was dismissed and settled. Uh, if you're going to talk about it, talk about the whole thing, which people don't. They only pick pick and choose which side or which part of the case they want to talk about, which they probably shouldn't be talking about at all. Um, he was alive. Kobe was doing a lot of interviews before his death, and he was openly talking about everything, which kind of brings things full circle. Like, you know, they always say pay attention to the signs before uh, when people when people automatically uh, suddenly die. And Kobe was a private guy, as far as I always saw, over the 20 years I supported him. And last four years, he was just very open. So, I mean, she had a chance to talk to him about it. She wanted to talk. He talked about it in other interviews. So uh, what do you think about um, Snoop and Gail King possibly uh, selling their differences? Nah, nah, nah. I didn't attack Oprah. What I did do is I posted a picture of Gail King and Harvey Weinstein. And I said, you want to talk about somebody's charges. Why don't you question your friends? You keep it all even. You know, Kobe was found innocent, so there was no reason for her to bring that up. That was a personal dig, and it was the wrong time. She had 10 years to talk to dude before he passed away, so why bring it up now? Go question one of your friends. Talk to Oprah's spiritual healer, okay? Because neither one of them have been found innocent, and those are your homies. You all hugged up and kissed up on them. What I said was, it always takes a black person to help the demise of another black person. Like, you you know, this is off subject, but human trafficking. We have 64,000 black girls who have disappeared. That is not possible unless people in the black community are assisting this. They just arrested like eight black men for trafficking. And a woman who had a private school was black, was selling the girls from the school Come on, what kind of modern day slavery is this, dude? Always one of us will sell us out for the white man and the almighty dollar. I'm not cool with it. It comes a time when we say enough is enough and we're going to start to stick together. All right. Last story, Cherry, before we get to our guest this week. Um, Big Daddy Kane clarifies his comments on Cherry's world. <laughs> Big Daddy Kane was on an episode of Cherry's World. I don't know if you heard of this podcast. Uh, Cherry's a great podcast. It's a beautiful, intelligent, uh, very attractive host. Um, and she got a pretty cool sidekick as well. Uh, Cherry's World. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to subscribe to that podcast. Sounds like a pretty dope podcast. But anyway, uh, Big Daddy Kane is sharing who he thinks is the Kobe Bryant of hip-hop. Kane did an interview with Cherry's World podcast with cherry johnson and talked about how he reacted when he heard about the news about bryant's untimely passing this is coming from revolt tv uh the interviewer asked kane who do you think is the kobe bryant of hip-hop and kane took some time out and he said yep i'm gonna go with eminem 
Now, uh, Hip Hop DX uh, website reached out to Big Daddy Kane and to clarify his uh, comments. And he says, you know, he lumped Eminem with uh, Jada Kiss, Fab, and uh, a bunch of other guys. So that's what he was saying, uh, who he would think is the Eminem, uh, the Kobe Bryant of hip hop. He lumped them all in that group. So he kind of clarified from initially stating just Eminem to Fabulous, uh, Jada Kiss, amongst others. Now, I think I'm the one that asked... Uh, Big Daddy Kane, that question. And like you said, Cherry, we don't do uh, gotcha shit on this show. We don't, we're not trying to make anyone look bad or anything. So I kind of feel bad that, that like, you know, the woke society, the cancel society that we have on social media was quick to call um, Kane out for his uh, remarks. I personally think I, it shocked me because I didn't look at Eminem as being Kobe. Not because of um, not because of his talent or his skill. It's just because if Jay, I looked at Eminem as being in that same era with Jay, with Jay Z. So I didn't see how if I if I look at Jay Z as being Michael Jordan, um, it's kind of hard for me to say how could Eminem be Kobe because Kobe came after Mike. Um, and by the way, for everybody's listening. Jay-Z, I'm not calling Jay-Z Michael Jordan. Jay-Z called himself Michael Jordan. He says in the lyrics, I'm the Michael Jordan of rap, the Michael Jackson of pop. He actually got that from Biggie. Biggie used to call himself Michael Jordan. I don't want to start no shit, but yeah, Jay-Z actually used referred to himself as Michael Jordan in a lot of his rhymes. Uh, for, I, I tear him up, fight uh, fourth quarter like MJ does, all that kind of stuff. So that's where I got it from. Uh, I don't have I don't have a problem with him saying Eminem. I just think that probably the next generation after Jay would probably be Lil Wayne, Lil Wayne in that era. So uh, that was just my opinion. What say you? <laughs> yeah, I like Wade Heard and her in that podcast before. And also, Cherry, how do you feel about the backlash that some people gave Big Daddy Kane because of this interview? <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I was floored. And I was floored that the comment took off on Valentine's Day. So the love day, you guys lost your minds and turned into crazy, overprotective, possessive, weird people about a simple little comment about rappers. I was called a coon too. They went in on me because I said, oh, that's a good pick. And let me clarify, yes, I'm always going to say Eminem is a good pick. The beat Slim Shady was made by my brother, Mailman. We're from Pittsburgh, okay? So for two little kids to make it 3,000 miles away in California and to be doing great things in entertainment, of course, I'm always going to celebrate that. But what struck me odd is all the great things that we've talked about, all the positive things that we've talked about on Cherry's World Podcast, the only thing that black people attacked was one comment about a right a white rapper. We've had serious conversations on Cherry's World. We've talked politics. We've talked HIV. We've talked autism. We've talked homeschooling. But no, black people paid no attention to those shows. We've talked about mental health disorders. Like we've had groundbreaking conversations that could really lead to the change of something. 
and all everybody cared about was a rapper on Valentine's Day? I'm utterly confused. I'm disappointed. And um, I love Big Daddy Kane. So to try to twist his words or be like, ah, we got you. You know, I'm really saddened again by black people and the way we criticize and treat our own for just an off cuff question and comment. Like we got to do better, y'all. We don't need nobody to crucify us. We are good at crucifying ourselves. This is Cherry's World. If you are a faithful listener of Cherry's World podcast, but you want more or you want to see the shows first, please join us and subscribe to our page on Patreon. Not only will you get to see the shows, but you'll get to see them before anybody else. Welcome to Cherry's World. You look good in a suit, yo. Hip hop look like growing up, right? <laughs> it's beautiful. I am so proud of you. Oh man, thanks. Jerry. How you been, man? I'm good. That's really good. happy. That's good. That's a good thing. Happy is always a good thing, right? Absolutely. I'm just gonna jump right into it, okay? Okay, let's do it. How is the transition between hip hop and politics? You know, um. I really don't consider myself a politician. So I just feel like it's a natural uh, transition. It's a natural progression. You know, um, when we was like 20 years old, I was on tour with Tupac. And um, me and Pac almost got into a fight, right? And just to fast forward the story, he bought me, uh, he bought two two 40s of, of old English 800. He had a blunt in his, his left ear knocked on my hotel room and the conversation that we had was talking about just what I'm doing now. He was talking about how the artists at the time, Common in Chicago, Tretch in Illtown, me and Redman in Newark and him in the Bay Area and, you know, Ice Cube in LA. And we were talking about all of that type of stuff saying that the popular hip hop artists have to go back to their community and create programs for us, create programs for the youth, create, community centers, make the, uh, the adults who are not that literate in certain things, you know, prepare them and make them literate in certain things, like, like little things too, just, just like knowing your rights when it comes to your children in school or, or knowing your civic rights within your neighborhood. And he, then he said, we might have to do something that we don't want to do. And I'm like, what? He's like, man, we might have to, he said, really to effectively change the laws, we might have to get into legislation. I'm 20. I'm not even really knowing what he's talking about. You know, I'm thinking he on some black, black Panther type of stuff. And he like, like legislation. He's like, yeah, we got to become politicians. Those are the ones who make and make the laws. Yeah. So I didn't really understand, you know, a 20 year old telling, you know, another 20 year old this at that time. But now as becoming an adult, I was like, wow, Pac is really a, ahead of his time. And I know that he probably would have been at at minimum the mayor of, of the Bay, man, of Oakland or something, or wow. at minimum if he was still alive, man. So all I'm doing, man, is kind of just living the legacy of what we talked about back then, man. Damn, that's deep. That's beautiful. And I'm so proud. Like when I saw it, first of all, Newark is like my second home. Oh, we know, we know, <laughs> you know, we love you. 
I love y'all too. And for you to come in and try to implement so many great things for the youth in North is huge because rappers don't do that anymore. Yeah, I'm just really, you know, my brother Pop, man, he just pulled my, my coattail to it a little early, but not him alone. You know, once you get a, a taste of something or a piece of something, then you start to notice the other things that that uh, are familiar or similar to those things on the path that you're on. You know, it's like a car. You got two headlights that only see 200 feet in front of you when it's not moving. But when it starts moving, you start to see other things, too. You start to see on-ramps and exit ramps and things that you didn't know that you would even be interested in. And and that's what we're doing now, man. It's just kind of just, I think that, that all, all of hip-hop, the culture has so much power. Black people, black and brown people have so much power. So if we just understand our power and realize that this would just be a tip of the iceberg, there's so much more that we can do. You know what, you saying that, it just makes me wanna know how you feel about this rumor. Have you heard that there was supposed to be like a secret meeting with record executives to discuss the weaponization of hip hop for the prison industrial complexes? I think that, yeah, I've heard that rumor. I heard the rumor happened sometime back when we were out too, back in the 90s. And I can't really say if the rumor happened or not, you know, but I can say this, that it's logical. It makes sense, powers to be, that it makes sense in the in the in the uh, form of that. Anytime you have cap people making capital off of something, and something affects their bottom line just from being an entrepreneur and a businessman, then you want to do the best thing that that helps your bottom line, right? So I can see people talking about that. I can see people saying, "Let's get rid of this." Uh, this education right and, and and it's not it's not too far removed right it's not too far removed because they did it with books they did it with our education for the, you know there's a rumor going around you talking about rumors that Martin Luther King and, and Malcolm X were killed because they were 39 years old both when they got murdered right yeah. and and biologically women they they be they begin to find who they are in adulthood at about 25 years old. They become a woman, and they're probably going to most likely be, not saying that they won't have any growth, but they're going to be who they are and mm -hmm. um, fully mature at 25. Men, it, it takes us 39, it takes us 40 years old. When we're 40 years old, that's when we are at our highest peak of, of maturity. They killed Malcolm X. They killed Martin Luther King at 39. They were doing all of those things before they got to 40. So by the time they would have hit 40, it would have been a whole nother revelation that they would have had. You know, so if we're talking about rumors and theory, I think that, you know, if you kill a black man before 40 who is doing great things, then you've just weakened our bloodline. You've weakened our DNA. You've weakened the, the strength and the power that he was able to give to the world. Absolutely. It's so scary. Uh, you know, you talked about um, the rumors and what's happening in hip hop now. Does right. it bother you that the gatekeepers of hip hop right now are strippers? <laughs> I mean, I'm Yo, sorry. I love Yo, I love <laughs> Yo, I mean, is the gatekeepers a stripper or is the gatekeeper the people who sign the check? Hmm. Are the gatekeepers the people who who put those people in front of you and let them and let you believe that they're our leaders. You know, um, 
anytime you control media, you probably control the narrative. You know, so when you can when you can uh, inform people uh, on a massive level, you know, the masses at such a high level, then you probably control the narrative. You can feed them what you want. You can program them what you want. I mean, like we all know, that's why it's called programming, right? You know, radio programmers, television programmers, you know, the, the Internet put, put a little sidestep into that because people can do what they want, what they want. But then they started hitting you with likes and followers. And if you don't have this many and that many, then you don't matter. You know, mm-hmm. so it's all about getting to the masses, no matter whether it's television, whether it's radio or whether it's the Internet. You know, it's about controlling the narrative and controlling your own story. We all know that black and brown story is massive. We've created any and everything. But it doesn't look like that when you read a text, when you read a book, when you hear a story in a public school. It doesn't read that way, you know. So we have to control our narrative and tell our stories, continue to tell our stories. And you know about storytelling, Sherry, so you know what I mean? You, you talk about storytelling in, in our schools. One of the projects that I'm actually working on is a history curriculum for everybody that's all inclusive because I don't feel like our history curriculums in school are inclusive at all. We know very little about Mexicans. We know very little about Asians and what they've brought to this country. And our history does not start with slavery. When it, when it comes to NORC curriculum, do you have some kind of plan of making sure that kids get a knowledge of self? Yes. Well, that plan right now starts off with me by being on the board of our after-school programs. You know, this baby steps, you know, uh, in order to eat a bear, you got to, you know, you got to bite by bite, right? So it starts off like that in our city. First of all, I noticed just from hip hop, we're aggressive. You know, hip hop artists and the hip hop culture, not just rap artists, but but the culture of hip hop, we're aggressive. So I don't care if you're in film, television, art, whatever it is, that's just not the nature of the culture. So we don't want to scare them. We, we want to frighten them a little bit, but we don't want to scare them for not to do business with us. So Absolutely. I started off by getting on the board and by getting on the board in the after school program, I can now have one-on-one interaction myself and my team and talk to these young individuals who are not eating breakfast, coming to school, putting their heads down because their stomach hurts, not because they're a problem, you know, or the one child who, who keeps his hoodie on over his school clothes because he doesn't have deodorant on and he doesn't want the other children to make fun of him. Like it's, it's little, little interest to see that, that somebody might, expel or suspend a student and these are problems that can be solved just with conversations and knowing your area knowing the surrounding and knowing the space of the location that these children come from so with the after school program i wanted to start like that but my ultimate goal is to build do it all university i want people to go to du which is a which is a a cultural center but more than just a cultural center it teaches the things that the hundred-year-old educational system does not teach. I don't think, um, you know, you, they make you change your, 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 phone, your phone plans every so often. They make you uh, reevaluate this plan and this contract year to year, two years out. 
you know, something might change every five years. Well, why doesn't our educational plan change? You know, you're talking about a hundred, oh, hundred plus year old system. We're teaching the same way and the same things. That means that you're telling me that our society hasn't changed in over a hundred years. We all know that that's not true. And we shouldn't allow ourselves to, to keep being programmed and fall into that. So, yes, I, I think the ultimate goal is to start teaching the things that matter to the person who is, who is living the life. Teach civics. Teach uh, how to do, um, teach economic development. Teach uh, economic empowerment. Teach um, the quality of life. Teach those things that, that help you empower yourself to go out there and get it. Now, I'm never going to tell anybody not to um, go for or achieve a higher education. But some people, it might not be for them, you know? So you'll, you'll uh, incur this $200,000 debt only to get a 50000 or 60000 or let's say you've got a good job, an $80,000 job a year, and it's going to take you to your 50 to 60 years old to pay off that debt. Then once you retire at 65 or 67, what it is right now, it's what do you have, 11 years left to live your life? So... I try, to, I try to direct people. I don't try to tell people what to do or anything. Just direct them toward their passions. Direct them toward their course of life. And then, and then invest in that. You know, if we spend $200,000 on higher education, then take that $40,000, $50,000 a year and invest into what they love to do now. Okay, go ahead, Courtney. I know Courtney wants to get into music. Well, no, 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 no. I, I'm gonna stay right here where y'all at. You a okay. deep, bro you a deep brother. I just want to tell you that, man. I love, I like learning and listening, man. So, uh, but uh, how, how do you and Cherry know each other? How do? Oh man, just from being in the industry, man. You know, Jersey all day, man. You know, I mean, just I've always, I will, I'm a fan. You know, I'm, I'm a, a fan of hers. I'm a huge fan. Ah oh, man, same here. Vice versa, for real though. I'm not even BSing. I'm a fan though. No, me are you kidding me? I'm a hell of a fan. And then <laughs> to know that, like, you know my god brother, you know my homeboys. Right, right. Yeah, she's always, you know what I like about Cherry? She's always been, I feel like she's always been a thousand percent. Like, she's going to say what she's going to say. She's going to mean how she say it. You know what I mean? Like, I love it. I love it. That's He's basically saying I'm a little hood. <laughs> hey, ain't nothing wrong with a little hood, though. Not at all. <laughs> For real. So, so y'all met in Jersey or you met in LA? Jersey. Jersey. It was Jersey. Yeah, it was Jersey. Yeah. Jersey. What you was doing out in Jersey, Cherry? That's like my second home. My godfather, rest his soul, just passed away. But my godfather used to kind of give me the open key. He had an apartment building and then he had a house in Jersey where he put me and my godbrother next door to him because he didn't want us in the house with him. And he'd let us run amok, <laughs> basically. Right. And I love Jersey, you know, because I would come from Malibu to New Jersey mm -hmm. and I'd be back in the bricks. I'm an East Coast girl. So right. to be back in my environment and be able to run the street with my backpack on and just have great days right. was awesome. And then right. you see somebody like do it all at the corner to tell me, take your little ass home. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You know, we had a cover out here, man. Hey, how does it feel like, um, especially now with this question, um, how does it feel like, like I think 
Shaq was like a you know a big fan of y'all. Like how how does that feel? Like when you see like you know er, you know the correlation between hip hop and and um and, and especially basketball. Like someone like Shaq sometimes be dancing to y'all in the lot in the locker room and and you know yeah. what I'm saying like how did that like how did that make y'all feel especially at that time? I mean, we're prideful dudes when it comes to Newark, New Jersey, Brick City guys, man. You know, we're prideful dudes. Just where, where you from, Court? I'm from Chicago. Shot. Already, no. It was even the way you just said it, y'all. From Chicago. Like, I love people that rep where they're from. Like, I love that. Like, you know what I mean? Because it says a lot. It says you you honor how you you came up. You honor the place that that probably instilled some of the the, the uh, core values in your life, and that's just it. <laughs> Excuse me. You know, so I love to to see Shaq win. Because he represents us. Yeah. When somebody, when I win, I represent him. You know, and and all of the people who are are struggling and, and trying to to arrive at that place of, you know, when you're in the, when you're when you grow up in the neighborhoods like we grew up in, you you just want to make it out, right? It's not until I got older that I know that I found out that that's the wrong mythology, though. You don't want to really make it out. You want to you don't necessarily want to make it out the hood. You want to make it out of the poverty. You want to make it out of the trials and tribulations, but not necessarily make it out of your neighborhood so that somebody can come gentrify it. Nah, you want to stay there. You want to fix it up. Amiri Baraka, who's our mayor, Rajay Baraka's father, great poet. He said to me, dude, pitch your bucket where you lay. And I was like, pit my bucket where I lay? What does that mean? You know, and he said, you know, just act like you're a superhero. If I want you to go away and be able to acquire the knowledge. You, you must do that. Anybody has to leave to acquire the knowledge because knowledge is so plentiful everywhere and anywhere. So, yeah, go get that knowledge, but bring it back to where you're from. Don't get me wrong. When you represent where you're from, from a distance, that's cool. But it's better to have hands on. It's better to touch, you know, and be there so people can get the full, um, the full sense of who you are and what you are and what you bring to the city. I'll give you an example. Hit your bucket where you lay. If you're a superhero, meaning, <coughs> excuse me, meaning you became a brain surgeon and you go out to Cali, if you're from North and you go out to Cali and, and you get a great job at, at Cedar Sinai, right? Yeah. Everybody who needs your expertise has to fly in into that place if they're not already from there or drive into that place. And that, what that does, it changes the economic development within your neighborhood because the restaurants go up now. The hotel stays go up now. All of that go up. But if you bring that back, let's say, to North New Jersey to a university hospital or a Beth Israel hospital, guess what? You've just done the same thing. Your expertise is your expertise. Your superpower is your superpower. And when people need it, they're going to come to you to get it. Sure. <laughs> That's real. Yeah. Now you were on tour. We tried to get you here last month, but somebody was uh, overseas. Man, thank God for tour. Thank <laughs> God they still love that Lords of the Underground, man, for real. I was, am, is a huge Lords of the Underground fan. Oh, so man. shout out to DJ Lord Jazz and Mr. Funky, man. Funk actually, Funky lives in a villa in France, but he's here till February 9th. So I was trying to hope he would stop by, but he's in New York. So uh, I was trying to surprise you and throw them on too. Wow. 
Shout so, out to Lord, man. We got a we got a new single that dropped with Onyx today, man, called What's the F? Whoa. What up? It's called What Up. <laughs> so what up? Yeah, shout out to Onyx, man. Sticky and Dro. Yeah, and the Snow Goons, produced by the Snow Goons in Germany, man. It's it's out today too. Okay. It's called What Up. I'm gonna get it. Hey. Uh, you know, um, I remember when I first, you ain't gonna believe this. Um my when I got y'all CD, it was with this man back in the day, I was like eleven, maybe twelve, and I ordered from this like where this catalog where you get like a hundred CDs and you only gotta pay for like I forgot what it was. I think it was McClellan. Yeah, and they sent like, like ten cent a CD or something back then or something, right? I don't I don't remember because I only paid for because I didn't have you know I didn't have no money. I was twelve. I ordered it and it was like and they sit like they sent me like a whole bunch of CDs and they said I had like nice and smooth y'all. It was like it held a whole bunch of poetic justice soundtrack and I was like and my mom came in and said how you get all these CDs and I was like I went on the catalog and got them. I guess I got to pay later. And so I remember having this like entertainment center. I was trying to dub it. You probably remember that. You got dub the CD on the tape. That's right. So I was oh, yeah. trying to do all that, man. My mom came and took all that stuff and sent it back, man. But, oh, oh man. But, but look, you lived the whole hip hop process right there trying to dub them before they went back. Yeah. For real. That to... is hilarious. Now, what did you think, since we have to go back, how did you first fall in love with hip hop? Yeah. Um, I first fell in love with hip hop um, from breakdancing. I first fell in love with hip hop from breakdancing, man. So we lived in, my, my uncle came home from the army and he bought this record with him. He had got, my mother gave him the guest bedroom. He bought this, this record with him that he used to play all the time. He came from the army, he used to fight these praying mantis in the shoebox. And uh, he used to, smoke his little joint, his marijuana joint. So I would smell, I would hear this music coming out of his room. I would smell the aroma and it was just hip hop to me. I didn't know what the what the music was because it was a new thing. Yeah. So I would sneak in his room, <coughs> excuse me. I would sneak in his room after it was after he left and play this record and it was called Rapper's Delight. So I would start hearing this, this music, Rapper's Delight. So Rapper's Delight made me find out about the culture. And when I found out about the culture, I ran into the Rocksteady crew and the New York City Breakers. And I fell in love with the Rocksteady crew. Hence why Crazy Leg is in everything I do. If you remember, he was in the Chief yeah. Rocker video. So when I fell in love with the culture, I'm talking about I would eight to eight to twelve years old, catch the train to New York City, which is about a 20, 25 minute ride from, from Newark, New Jersey, on a train, and I would go over to these places and couldn't get into the club, but just to see the B-boys, you know, walking up to the spot, the B-girls. And people got to realize, man, the B-boys and the B-girls, they were the dancers and always dressed the flyers. They always had the flyers fits on, even though they were the dancers. So seeing them, it was like a movie, man. It made me fall in love with it. It made me explore a little more. And while I explored a little more, I tried every aspect. I tried the break dance. I wasn't that good at breakdancing. I was to pop a little bit, you know what I mean? But I wasn't that good at breakdancing. My penmanship was horrible, so I couldn't be a, a graph writer like I wanted to be, you know? And I noticed, though, when I spoke, you know, I, I controlled the crowd. 
I was like, man, I want to be a, a rapper, man. I want to be, a, no, we didn't say rappers back then. I wanted to be an MC, you know, and, and that's how I fell in love with hip hop, you know, in two parts. My uncle bought Rappers Delight home that made me uh, investigate and, and research what this culture was. So the, I guess Rappers Delight is the initial thing that got me into the culture and the Rocksteady crew with Crazy Legs made me want to live the culture. Wow. So I'm a late 80s, early 90s, you know, uh, fan. So I want to know, when did, because I was listening to like some old Ice-T and like even uh, old Fresh Prince and Desi Jeff. When did it change from the MC actually just transitioning from MC to rapper? Because like I'm listening to all they would do would be just the, the MC would just really do what an MC does. They wouldn't even like... You know, they were just hyping the crowd up and just talking about what the DJ's doing. So when did yeah. that, when did that transition to them actually like performing and rhyming? You for me, man, I, I think that uh, when it changed, it it, it was with what you said because MC Shan had you know he was still celebrating Molly Mall as a DJ. A lot of the DJs of uh, a lot of the MCs around that time were still celebrating their DJ. Right. You know, Will Smith, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Like, they were still celebrating their DJ. I'm not saying this is when it changed, but when Rakim started really talking on that microphone, <laughs> he started saying some pivotal scientific, yeah. like, yo, and then Chris started coming. Even Chris was still more of a, he was lyrical, but he was still emceeing with it. But when Rakim started, man, I ain't no joke. When he started Speaking to the crowd, I think that's when it. I'm not saying that that's when it changed, but that was a pivotal, pivotal, pivotal time for it to change. You know that's what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's real right there. Yeah. I miss those days. You know, I grew up in an all white neighborhood, and so when we finally got Yo MTV Raps, uh, oh man, and y'all video hit Yo MTV Raps, I was like the happiest girl in the world. You, me too. How did you feel seeing yourself for the first time (laughs) on MTV? Um, I just feel seeing myself for the first time. You know, I heard ourselves first before I've actually seen it. I was uptown, just to be honest, I'm in a bodega. I'm with uh, a brother by the name of Derek L.A. Jackson, who was one of our co-managers who went on to do so many great things with Lil Wayne and just so many people. But he found the roots. Uh, our co-manager found the roots as well, as well as finding us. I was going in the store to buy a Dutch. 19 years old, just being honest. 19 years old, I go in the store to buy a Dutch uptown, Harlem. We've been playing our record all along while in our own car. Because we're new. We just want to hear our stuff over and over again. So I hear Psycho just rumbling. And I thought it was coming from our car. So when I go out, I'm cracking the dust, and I see two, I don't know if it's Puerto Rican, but they they were Spanish in the low car. The engine was loud. ah, In Harlem, banging Psycho. I was like, yo, ran into the car. Now joint was on the radio. Wow. So that was the first time. That was a that was a <laughs> amazing experience for us, man. And then the first time I saw a visual from us was a record called Check It. And um uh it was on 
shout out to uh, Ralph McDaniels, man. It was on Video Music Box, man. He gave us our first love. Music Box, yeah. And and and, I, and the crazy thing, my DJ was in a relationship with an actress at the time named uh, uh, Paula Paula Parker. Paula J. Parker was it? Oh Parker? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Paula's our girl, so she was she was rocking with us when we was just new. You know what I mean? Because that was my DJ's girlfriend at the time, yeah. and she was just getting into the acting game like that. So. We used to go every everywhere with her off of her name early, <laughs> you know. So I love her. Yeah, that's the home. Hey, you so, know, yeah. uh, I remember my friends like we was like eighteen, nineteen. My and my boys, they end up being on the it's the same thing. First started out on the box, and then they end up going. Then we seen them on MTV, and that was such right. a big deal when they when they end up being on uh, 106. Now was it 106 Rap City? And that was like such a big deal, like to turn on the TV and see, you know, your people on there. Do you think that's getting lost now? Because they don't have like video shows no more, like what exclusive video shows mm -hmm. now. So like the exclusive, you know, like now anybody can like just make a video on their iPhone and put it out. You know, I've done it. You know, for people. So I mean, like, do you think it's like kind of lost now? Yeah, I think it's lost because it wasn't cultivated. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't kept as uh, supreme, right? Supreme clothing. I'm saying this for a reason. Supreme clothing and, and clothing companies and clothing apparels like that are successful because it's exclusive, yeah. right? Like, you can only get a certain amount, or you can only get this shirt or this sneaker or this table set or whatever it is. It's supreme. So, you know, if you buy a Supreme, it's not a thousand of them out there. Right. You know what I mean? You know, if you see somebody in Supreme clothing or whatever it is, you know, it's only a few of those. Right. There was only a few television shows. There was only a few video shows. So when you arrived at that space, it was like, yo, I made it. There was only one Soul Train. You know what I mean? You wanted to get on Soul Train. Arsenio Hall had the Black Talk Show. You wanted to be on Arsenio. There were, it wasn't so much saturation. There's so much saturation now that how much, how special is it? You know, Cherry, I, I don't know if I you told shoes or bags or whatever, but if, if there was two million of a certain bag, you probably wouldn't want it. If there was two million of a certain shoe, you probably wouldn't want it. Let me keep but if it there's up. 200 of them, Let me keep you're it like, up. yo, I need one of those. I ain't going to buy that stuff anyway. I'm going to Canal Street. All oh, right, right. I feel you on that. <laughs> Sorry. All right. When I was I younger, I used to spend money on bags and stuff because I didn't know no better. Right. I got off the one one day and started venturing off and was like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah I, I, ain't never bought another yeah I ain't never bought another. Canal and Delancey. But you know that. But you know, that's what I, it's funny you say that because I, I had the same conversation with Cherry all the time. I was like, you know, it's like Will Smith and Fresh Prince was doing this tour and and everybody keeps talking to them. I mean, Martin and Will Smith, they keep talking Martin. to them about Fresh Prince and Martin. And, so, and that's why I was telling Cherry, I'm like, in the 90s, Friday nights, we turned to Family Matters. It wasn't a whole bunch of other channel. We didn't have a whole bunch of options. So everybody knows Maxine, you know what I mean? So like when you, when you have all these other stars and stuff coming out now that's on 341, 342 and VH1 yeah. plus and VH, that, that shit don't mean nothing as much as like, 
you turn it on seven at seven thirty at this girl right here. You know what yeah, I mean? Man, that's prime time, man. Exactly. That's why, that's why I was such a fan because I felt like oh, they okay. represented us. Right. You know what I mean? They represented us. They right. looked like us. They talked like us. You know, they walked like us. They were us. So when I watched Family Matters or, or something that was similar to that, they represented us, man. That's why, I'm, you know, Martin and, and, and things that I think, you know, did well and Jamie Foxx show and all of that. Think about the, the black shows. Yeah. So very successful numbers-wise when they're rocking, right? And then they just canceled them. It's wow. too much power, man. We have yeah. When we have too much power, they'll give a white show another chance. Oh, the numbers weren't that good. Let's give them another season, what happens, see what happens. Uh, it was okay, but let's give them another season. And I think, you know, numbers picked up a little bit. They might, as soon as our number, our numbers can be incredible. As soon as they dips a little bit or it's a bad week, it's like, oh, we need to think about this. Or it don't even have to dip. You know, we can we can have successful shows, man. And I just, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Well, maybe I am a little bit sometimes. But, you know, sometimes, man, it, it's just when, when people of color, man, you know, get too much power, people like to dim the light. And that's why we got to own our own platforms. You know, when we own our own platforms, then we control the narrative. This is Cherry's World. If you haven't yet, you need to check out Shy Figaro's Couture. It boasts with a distinctive line of contemporary apparel and accessories that represents beauty, sex appeal, with a daring look that orchestrates the message of confidence. Shy Figaro Couture is all about uniqueness. They create an extreme passion for fashion, and each piece in their collection has a unique story of its own. You know what makes them unique is that they focus on the distinctive and trendy silhouette that influences the way people dress. If you want to know where I got my secret pieces in my closet, make sure you check out shyfigaro.com. Let me ask you this real quick. I don't mean to cut in so fast, but I got to ask this. What do you think about Byron Allen and uh, him trying to buy um, or the, the the dispute he has with um, Viacom? Was it Viacom? Is it Viacom? Yeah, he has it with, with all of the with, with Comcast. Comcast. Yeah, I think uh, I think he has an incredible point yeah. because if he has over two hundred shows, <laughs> excuse me, if he has over two hundred shows and being very successful in the light that he's presenting them in for a low cost, then why are we not awarding them? Why are we not catering to that? Why are we dimming the light? Why, why are we not helping that rise even further? Because it's not about, it's not just about the economic dollar with them and the economic power. It's about diminishing ours, rising theirs. It's not about our, our intellectual properties. You know, they can give a hell. They're not trying to, to give us power so we can gain more power and influence our people and our culture. They don't want to yeah. do that. Mm-mm. Salute to Byron Allen, man, for, for even slipping in enough to be able to get where he is. Because they didn't think all of those B-rated shows are going to get him popping to be a billionaire. Right. Content is king, man. Yeah. We just got to control our content and the narrative of that content. So while you're talking about controlling content, uh, what, what, what's up with you acting? Because you got like, you got like 50 careers, homie. Yeah, man. You know what? I, I love acting. Like I, 
I actually thought I was going to be uh, an actor before. People don't know that. Uh, shout out to Malcolm, Malcolm Jamal, Warner, the homie. But I was in the last couple of those callbacks to Theo. I think if I would have made Theo Whoa. back in the day on the Cosby Show, maybe we'll have be having a different conversation right there. Wow, uh, I didn't know that. But you have yeah. actually done some. You've done a lot of acting. Yeah, yeah, I have. But the reason why I kind of not not I still love acting. I just kind of, when I was doing audi- going on auditions where I met some of my good friends to this day, I, I realized when I scanned the audition room, first of all, you were, and, and Cherry, you know this, when you get into those casting, uh, those, those casting offices, you probably have three of the same casting agents that you go to repeatedly for the month. You yeah. know, unless it's a special movie that come in, you're getting cast by these three in that city and that location all the time. So you're called to their office all the time. Now, when I started going to these offices, I started to see that the eight to 10 people I was seeing every week or every other day. And if you get a role, then you can't be, if you, let's say you do Law and Order, which I've done twice, yeah. you, would, you would not be able to do that for another seven weeks. So they'll just rotate you, you know? And I found out that, wait a minute, man, it's just me and my boys or me and the same people getting cast for all of this stuff here in New York City. You know, Robber 1, Bank Robber 2, Thug this, or maybe we luck up and we get the Officer 2 or, you know, or, or, you know, whatever it was. And then I started speaking to people on the set. So I started speaking to finding out who the producers were. And I said, wow, I used to think that the director ran everything. And then I started to realize that, man, the producers are the ones that really get it rocking. They get, they hire the director sometimes if you're that good of a producer and, uh, you know, you have that much notoriety. So I said, you know what, I want to be able to be able to put ourselves in position by hiring a great casting director, by hiring a great director, by being in all part, by hiring the people that's going to make our movie the best. And I said, oh, man, you know what? Let me try producing. So that way I can still put myself in a movie if I, if need be, if I want to. But then we can control who's on the set with us, who's working the set, you know? So I, I just turned to saying, man, I want to, I want to be a producer. I love it. Let's go. Cause you know, that's what I've been doing since Family Matters ended. I've been right. producing films. And I absolutely, mm. positively love it. Ah, I know, and, and I love it, man. Congrats on that. Thank you so right. much. Thank All right. Can y'all can y'all smarten me up because I'm not in in the business? What's the difference between a producer, the creator, and the writer? Go ahead, Miss Miss Producer Cherry. Tell them. Sometimes it's all the same person. Producers basically hire and fire depending upon what your role is if you're the executive producer that means you're bringing in the money if you're the producer that means that you are human resources you are doing contracts and you are hiring and running if you're the creator it might just be your idea but you might not have written it if you're a writer it is your job to flush the script and make it work oh okay did i answer your question yes you did Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, somebody <laughs> owe me some creative um credits. I need, oh, you probably you probably need a bunch of those. Yeah, I gotta. Uh, I gotta. Yeah, I might give hire me a lawyer. <laughs> so, before we lose you, Mr. Kelly. Yes, yes. What 
is next for you? Next for me. So like I said, Lords of the Underground, we just dropped a single with, with Onyx today. Oh. Now, mind you, we still drop music because it keeps us on the road. We're not trying to compete with a Drake or, you know, or, or, or with TDE or nobody out there. We're just catering to our fans. You know, the people who still rock with us year to year, we're just catering to them. So we have an album that's coming out uh, February 21st. Um, we just dropped a, a song in January called Insomniac. We have a song now with Onyx, like I said, to drop today called What's Up. The album is called So Legendary. And what that does is keep us on the road. I also have a solo album that's coming out on March 17th. You know, uh, I, I feel like I've never done anything that was real personal. I've always been truthful in my rhymes. I mean, of course, we exaggerate and stuff like that. But, you know, if any rhyme I've ever written, you probably could tell what I'm drinking, what I'm smoking, if I had a girl, what I'm driving, where I was living, how I was living, if it was chicken wings and fried rice, or if it was sirloin and lobster, you probably can tell where I was at. But I've, I've always omitted the personal stuff, you know, the family stuff. and yeah. But... When I started running my campaign for councilman at large in North New Jersey two years ago, people, the fan, after that was over, the fans would say to me, dude, we love all the stuff you're doing in the community, but what's up with the music, man? Let's hear some music. And I said, all right, but if I go back to making music that way, what's going to make it different? What am I going to do different? And I started studying writers that I thought were great, like Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye. And I said, wait a minute. It's a theme here with them. Their best work is when they're personal. You know, Stevie Wonder wrote an album based off the birth of his baby, probably one of his best albums ever. You know, Marvin Gaye wrote an album when he broke up with his love of his life, his wife. And and um, uh, Barry Gordy told him, he said, man, what are you doing? Nobody's going to buy this record. You're a sex symbol, Marvin. Nobody wants to hear you breaking up with a lady, with your wife. It turned out to be his best record ever, you know, because when yeah. people can relate, that's what music does. It, 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 you know, it evokes emotions, right? So when you can touch on emotions through actual experiences, real experiences, and you notice as an actor too, that's your best word. You're not acting. You're actually living real moments, living real experiences. That's what makes great actors, great actors, you know? So and that's what I'm doing on this album, man. I just, it's called Brenda's Son. My mother's name is Brenda. You know, it's called Brenda's Son. It's probably the most personal I've ever been. My first visual is a, a song called Keep the Faith that I did with our great mayor of North New Jersey, Rajay Baraka. So I don't even know anybody who's ever done a song with their mayor. Right. Shot the video in City City Hall. I don't know which artist ever shot in City Hall, you know. And, um, you know, it, it's real special to me. It's not for the money. It's just for the love of the art, man, and the love for the culture of hip-hop. And that's when the money is going to become. Do me a favor. Let everybody know how they can follow you on social media. What's up, everybody? You can check your boy Do It All, Dupre, Kelly out on Instagram at Do It All, and that's D-O-I-T-A-L-L-D-U. Do It All, Do. So that's um, D-O-I-T-A-L-L-D-U. Do It All, Do, and that's on Twitter. That's on Instagram and do it all. Do pray Kelly on Facebook. Oh, he got all the official on him. 
Yeah, I had to get yeah, I had to get official on a Facebook. That was the campaign that did that, right? <laughs> I love it, Courtney. Do you have anything else for him? Uh, real quick, I'm gonna ask just about anybody that's. I hate to bring it, bring the show down, but just tell me what what, what, what was your thoughts on the death of Kobe Bryant? Oh. Uh, I got to meet I got to meet Kobe back. Um, I don't know if you remember the group, the youngsters, right? Yeah. Yeah. So cue ball from the youngsters. He's like my little, all of them, like my little brother, they grown men now, but he's a producer. Cue ball from the youngsters, a producer. So he produced people like method man. He produced Kobe Bryant single, you know, and I got a chance to meet Kobe, you know, 18 year old Kobe coming straight from the prom with Brandy, you know, and, uh, just full of energy, full of life. Um, I felt some way about Kobe back when him and Shaq was going, you know, going through their little, but never as a man, you know, I, I love, I love what he's doing. You know, he's 41. I love what he was doing in his 40s. You know, I love what he's doing as a retirement because I feel like he was just starting to come into who we was that second chapter of who Kobe Bryant was about to be. And um, unfortunately that, that was taken away from us. So, you know, um, the crazy thing is when I heard, I was in church. Okay. I was in church when I heard it. You know, I instantly just kind of walked away from everybody and just held back a tear and, and wiped the tears away. And it, it was just, it, it was just hard because here is somebody who is an iconic figure in in uh, American sports history, but not just that. In America. Anytime you become iconic in entertainment and athletics, you become iconic and a figurehead to us, to our people. And he was one of those icons who were, was everybody was waiting to see what he was going to do next for us. And it was just hard, man. It's just hard. It's still hard, yeah. you know. But I will say this, in his death, you know, uh, I think I saw this on Instagram. I don't know if it was Instagram, but some social media. They said when we lost Nipsey Hussle, you know, Nipsey taught us. He made us become more aware about being entrepreneurs and being into our business. And when we lost Kobe, he made us realize and understand what family was again. Mm-hmm. We miss you, Kobe. Father. Yeah. yeah, he was an amazing father. Thank you for that, man. No doubt, bro. Great words. Thank you, baby. Thank you, Cherry. Cherry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of you, dude. Well, how you doing with her crazy butt? <laughs> uh, very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> <He> said, <"Huh." laughs> so ask Big Daddy came when he came to my studio, which we're in now, and got in he got into this booth. I don't know if you can see it. That booth right there. Yeah. You're talking about one of the most iconic days for me. I used to, he's the only MC that I ever written his lyrics down to memorize them. Uh-huh. And then one day he called me and said, I need a favor. Favor? You what? You can get anything you want. He needed to record something while he was in Newark, New Jersey. And I put him in that booth right there, man. It's probably one of, man, I was like a kid in a candy store. It was like 360 for me. Because here it is, I used to didn't know you and wrote down your lyrics so I could become a better MC. And wow. got to have him in my studio, man. It's just crazy. So shout out to Kane, man. That's a big homie right there. Ask him about when he came to do it all from Lords of the Underground Studio in Newark, New Jersey. I sure. Tell him to do it. Yeah. 
Amazing uh, how shit happens. Thank real. you, Craig. Right. <laughs> I was on the phone with Craig and I was like, yeah, I need to get your boy on. He was like, he said he'll do it. I said, I know he told me. Right, right. No doubt, man. Shout out to Craig, man. I'm coming home soon. I need to bring my little rug rat so that she can see the bricks. And it's oh, that's what's up. That's what's up. I can see my mini. You do, make sure you hit me and let me know so we can catch up. Promise. Thank you so much. Right. I'm so proud of you. Thank and if there's you. anything I could ever do, let me know. I'll me, man. I will. Definitely. Court. Salute, Enjoy man. Gary, you Enjoy already know it's love. Definitely, man. Salute. Talk Thank you, baby. Amazing. Okay, I said, what up? <laughs> I will. Bye-bye, <laughs> baby. Bye-bye. Amazing. Courtney, this is like the best day, I think, yeah, of podcast. Like, th- these are like great stories, too. I'm going to put all that out. That's going to be good stories. Oh, like, uh, he's really intelligent, right? Yeah. Don't I know some, like, intelligent men? Yeah. Yeah, it makes, you, okay, makes, so- makes me wonder, like, what, what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> You're one of those that I can have that deep. You know what? One thing I can say about all my guy friends is everybody's attractive and they can all teach me something. All right. Tell me what have I taught you? Because I've been doing them by asking questions since I met you. So what what have I taught you? <laughs> you taught me that I could have a podcast, Courtney. Oh, that's, that's not teaching. That's just telling you. Don't. No, that is, that is totally teaching. Hello. What about my tech support? You taught me how to use the microphone. You teach me stuff every day, Courtney. Don't take that for granted or play it to the left. Oh no, I just be asking you a lot of questions, so I'll be honest. It it goes back and forth, Courtney. You teach me just as much as I could ever possibly teach you. Welcome to Cherry's World. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.